the heck is going on, everybody? It's your boy, Snowbike Mike, back again with another Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I am joined by one of my awesome co-hosts, Gary Witta, the rogue one. Gary, how you been? What's going on, my friends? I'm, I got to tell you, Mike, what what an amazing time it is to be a gamer between these between these consoles and particularly the Xbox, which is what we're here to talk about and the one that I've mostly, mostly been playing. There's just too much good stuff. Like there is every year, but especially this time of year, but especially in a console release year, I have been gaming my butt. I'm going to say butt. I've been gaming my butt off. No, dude, Gary, uh, just say it. Just say it because Mike would never will. Just say it. I've been gaming my motherfucking ass off. Yeah. Yeah, baby barrett knows i would never curse on this show i hate <laughs> I, I have it. to i have to curse double i remember when mike cursed once i think it was on a previous x casting like it was really jarring because he doesn't like he, he he's so clean that when he that when he does let an f a rogue f-bomb slips out it's it's almost like wow did mike just say that catches you by surprise it's like hearing Steve from like Blues Clues swear or something. It's like it's really <laughs> off-footing. Yes, I hear Mr. Rogers God. telling you to fuck off or something. It's like nobody wants to hear that. But we're kicking off this energy with a whole lot of energy. Or we're kicking off this podcast with a whole lot of energy, and I'm already flustered. But let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. We have an incredible co-host today, a special guest joining us. It is my friend Luke Lore, a friend of the show from the Xbox Expansion Pass. Luke is also celebrating his birthday today. So happy birthday. To you, Luke, it's going to be awesome to talk Xbox with you here on the Kind of Funny X-Cast. But why don't we introduce you to all the best friends, the viewers, the listeners around the globe. What is the Xbox Expansion Pass and who the heck is Luke Lore? Oh, man. Well, that is quite the intro. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure to be here with you guys. That is for sure. So thank you for having me on. Uh, again, yeah, my name is Luke Lore. I host the Xbox Expansion Pass on all podcast services. And uh, XCP is an analytical look at the goings-on of the Gamerverse, specifically how it pertains to the Xbox ecosystem, uh, meaning that if something's happening in the gaming space, I want to talk about it and how it impacts uh, Microsoft and, and the Xbox community uh, on the developer side, the gamer side, etc. The main goal of the show is to expand our knowledge of the gaming industry, and I do that by having guests on the show from around the industry, voice actors, game directors, uh, like uh, Tatiana Delgado, upcoming director or director of the upcoming game Call of the Sea has been on the show. Uh, I've had people like Clayton Kozlerik on, who's a name you should guys know. He, works, he worked on Voodoo Vince back in the day. He's a creative director at Xbox, but he just put out on his own side project a brilliant twin stick shooter that's uh, set in a mechanical 1905 arcade machine where you see the animatronics as they go. And it's XEP is a joy for me to bring people on and uh, tell their gaming story and hear that how they impact the gaming industry. Names you know, like Andrea Renee, McCaffrey, Jeff Grubb, uh, Stephen Spawn, and Zach Weigel uh, have been on the show as well. It's just a pleasure for me to expand my knowledge of the Gamerverse. So that's that's my elevator pitch of XEP in a nutshell there. That is a perfect elevator pitch, Luke. And I've been a big fan of XEP since you started it a long time ago. I listen every single week and I'm always put a smile on my face. I always enjoy all the content you put out there. So thank you for joining me and Gary and Barrett here on the Kind of Funny X-Cast. And we're happy to show you off and share you with everybody around the globe so they can go check out XCP and all the things you do. 
I have, a, I, have a, I have a question oh, for you before we hey, go any further. Hey, ask him. Mike, ask him. Mike and Luke, how is it that you both have that really cool Xbox desk lamp in the background and I don't? Where do you get that from? I want one of those. Amazon.com search <laughs> Xbox desk lamp, Gary. Come on. A man that has everything. What do you mean you don't know where this is? I, 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 thought, I thought it was some kind of sweet influencer hookup. If it's just an Amazon click away, maybe I'll go get myself one. Gary, yeah, when you got that influence, you got going. twenty bucks on Amazon. You can get anything you need right there. That's that's what that is right there. I'm gonna go. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a nice little uh, nice little item. I might have to go look look into that for myself. There you go. All right. So okay. Now we. Sorry, Mike. Now we can move on. Now we're good. Let's jump into the show. Let's <laughs> have some fun. Of course, some quick housekeeping news for you. Of course, this is the kind of funny X Cast we post each and every Saturday at six a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, and of course on podcast services all around the globe please make sure to like share subscribe to all of the kind of funny content over on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on all the different podcast platforms we'd love to hear your voice we'd love to engage with you in the comments so please make sure to go get involved in the conversation of course today we're going to kick off the show with what we've been playing we now have the new consoles in our houses it's been over a week it's time to talk about all the awesome games we've been playing so we'll kick it to our guest to kick off the show luke I know you have your brand new Xbox. You're excited to share what you've been playing with all of us. Why don't you tell us some awesome games? Man, I've been inundated with uh, games that I've been playing on my Xbox Series X. Like everybody, as they arrive with new hardware, they want to get their hands on anything. And so uh, I've been dipping my toe into multiple games. I'm extending my gameplay session from Xbox One over to Series X in Watch Dogs Legion which I, I really am having a blast. And it's really cool to have the, the firsthand comparison of the upgrades from Xbox One to Series X. Uh, really digging that. I, of course, I've been enjoying Operation 5 of Gears 5. They just put that out there. And the New Day is in there with uh, some, some great content, which is dope. Sea of Thieves has never looked better. Has never looked better right there. And man, I, I could list tons of stuff that I've been playing because I've just been having a blast enjoying my new system and exploring uh, the benefits of being on a Series X versus an Xbox One, man. I love hearing that is right. And you can tell I've played uh, Sea of Thieves and Gears 5 as well. And you can see the upgrades. You can see the changes from the console jump. And man, oh man, is it totally prevalent. And it's so awesome. Why don't you tell me a little bit about Watch Dogs Legion? That's one me and Gary have not talked about yet. And that's one I'm very interested in jumping into. What are your thoughts so far on it? Especially since you're going from the Xbox One to the Series Tell me about that jump and what your thoughts are on the game. Well, the biggest thing about the jump, uh, immediately evident, evident is quite understandably that the loading times are nearly gone. And you expect that as you move into the new hardware with the SSDs and whatnot. It's, it's incredible to, uh, in my mind, I've done this multiple times, click start and go for the phone and then put it right back down because the game is ready for me. And that's been a really fun uh, thing to get used to on the Series X versus the Xbox One, and specific to Watch Dogs, uh, it's, it's a wonderful open world game, I feel, that is far simpler than I expected. Sometimes I think the complexity of newer games and open world games can be a, a bit daunting and intimidating, and I felt that initially when I was like, all right, I'm going into Watch Dogs. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. It's a lot to go on with hacking and whatnot. I'm enjoying it. There's so much puzzle solving. There's lots of ways to solve it. The idea of no main character uh, has put some people off, and I think a lot of reviews have justifiably said that, but I'm digging it because I'm creating my characters, unlocking different uh, people of different professions, giving them outfits. Uh, I have a hitman, and she she looks uh, very much like somebody that would blend in perfectly with London, and 
she's the perfect hitman to take around. And I noticed the biggest upgrade in Series X, Mike and Gary, when I was taking my character in the first day on Series X. I was walking along and I just very subtly looked over in, in, in the reflection on a truck. And I saw my my character's reflection and every movement was there and it was just better. It was cleaner. It was smoother. And that's the coolest part about it. Now I'm digging it, man. I'm so excited to, to keep playing it, keep playing it rather. And I'm stoked for the DLC that they've got planned for it. I like the roadmap. The game is not too complex and uh, it, it, it's worth mentioning guys, Ubisoft's on a roll. Valhalla, Watchdogs, Immortals has, has caught my eye with its happy, happy vibes that it puts off there and then there's far cry down the line i'm in on it man i'm in on it i gotta i, I gotta jump in on that comment about the reflections in uh, watchdogs because i've been watching a bunch of these digital foundry videos uh lately mm -hmm. i love to watch them i'm not really like a pixel counter for me if it looks good it looks good and i don't need to know like the nuts and bolts but it is interesting sometimes to um listen to the digital foundry guys who really do you know go in there and kind of analyze it to a very granular level like every frame rate drop every little piece of tessellation or every you know piece of detail that they really really get into the nooks and crannies of like every technical detail of the game and i've been watching a lot of these playstation 5 uh for versus series s versus series x versus one x versus pc like you know across the board when you've got these multi-platform games they you know the same game running on all these different uh platforms gives you a great kind of baseline to see you know which one is handling them best and one thing that i thought was interesting about the reflections they were playing watchdogs legion and they and they mentioned that on series like i think series x does this but maybe series s doesn't i may be wrong but i know series x does and i think you'll also see it on high-end pcs you know that are running rtx um you so you can see your reflection in like a puddle Right, and that's cool. Like on the street, uh, on the on the sidewalk. But if you're walking, or if there also happens to be like a shop window there that's also generating a reflection, you can see in the reflection of the shop window the reflection in the puddle. Like it's generating reflections of reflections, <laughs> which is nutty. But that is the kind of and ninety nine percent of people are never going to notice that. But like since Digital Foundry is pointing it out, it's just kind of cool. Like the level of detail that these games are now achieving. And that's all computational, right? The, you know, the, the GPU is doing all of that, uh, figuring out, okay, so that image, there's a reflection bouncing off this puddle, but it's also being caught in the mirror, so now I need to reflect that. Like, it's nutty. Uh, no wonder these consoles get warm. Jesus Christ. I mean, when you think about what they're doing. You know, Gary, Ooh. you're mentioning all that, and I'm not a pixel counter myself, and I'm, I'm on board for, for following those conversations for fun, but if, for me, it's about the experience and how I'm going. There are times where, and I saw wonderful comparisons where, uh, there are points in Watchdogs where you can jump into water, and the water effects are null and void. There are very, very few resources were put into developing like splashing effects and whatnot because they've been put in other places. That's something I notice uh, that Watchdogs just seem to to not prioritize. And in many ways, I think sometimes people will will try to knock a game for that, but it didn't impact my experience of the game, and it wasn't meant to be part of it. And sometimes I think when we pixel count, we we miss that point overall i, mean, I don't know if you guys ever feel that way about certain games yeah maybe and again like 90 percent of the stuff that i'm seeing in the digital foundry videos are like it's fascinating that they pointed it out but like in the normal course of like playing through i'm never gonna notice that you know and it's really only the hardcore people that are like you know freeze framing the game running it through some kind of software that's like accurately you know showing how you know what the what the frame rate and resolution is like the digital foundry people i mean those, those guys over there are nutcases I'm, I'm glad that they exist i love watching their content but 99 percent of people who are just playing the game 
aren't going to notice the difference. Where I definitely notice the difference is in frame rate. We had this experience. We had our Xbox One X in the living room for you know the longest time. That was our primary Xbox. When we got the Series X, we moved it into the moved it into the living room. Um, sorry, into the bedroom, so we could have like a, a secondary box to play back there. My wife's been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the Series X, which looks amazing. Um, but occasionally, when she feels like you know going back into the bedroom, or someone's already using the living room Xbox. She'll go back into the bedroom and play Valhalla back there. I went back and watched her playing it on the One X, having got used to the Series X because I was just curious. And you definitely notice the difference. Like the resolution feels roughly the same, but and I've said this many times. Like sometimes you can't tell the difference very well between like 1080p, 1440, and full 4K. But when you jump from 30 to 60 frames a second, that to me is very, very noticeable. And that's and that's the big difference that you're seeing between the the what is now the last gen xbox uh platform and and the current gen that we're playing on now there's the, the frame rate makes all the difference in the world huge difference maker for me gary and i can't wait to talk about the games i've been playing because that's where i'm noticing the difference for sure is the steadier frame rates and the elevated frame rates luke before i leave you here i want to know what has been the craziest person you've recruited into your dead sex sector over there oh my gosh that is that is scary uh I don't know that I have a good answer for you, Mike, because I've been very selective about the type of people I want in. And maybe maybe that's a tribute to, to me not being fun enough. But I'm like, no, you don't have the skill set I need. No, no, no. Thank you. You can't use a pistol as a silencer. No, nah, not for me. So uh, I've been unlocking <laughs> some of the main characters, some of the fighters. But um, I'm very set on having my hitman. I have uh, I have a really cool girl who, who's my hitman. I would love another version i like a male version so i could have a bond like character which i is oddly related to another one because i want to have both and then maybe mr and mrs smith them i don't know we'll see oh i like that so no grannies allowed then where are the grannies at you got the old grannies in there i have not gotten oh a granny yet God. it's on see, i would go straight for the I, I, my i've been circling i've got watchdogs legion installed on my series x i think i'm going to finally jump into it this weekend because i've been getting more and more the initial reviews are kind of like oh maybe i won't bother but when i hear anecdotally like it feels like people that I, when i talk to people and this happens all the time when i actually talk to people who are playing i'm getting a much more positive impression of the game from what i read in the reviews like oh, maybe it's actually fun so i'm going to jump in and decide for myself and i feel i feel like i'm just going to go like straight for the grannies just like, like you know? can you do like an all granny army because that would be amazing I am sure you could, because you can assemble up to 20, I believe, uh, as you please. And I think the reason you're hearing those anecdotes, Gary, uh, some games go for realism. Some games go for expansive worlds. This game is purely going for fun and, and ludicrous moments. And that is, for me, what I look for in gaming. It is not oh, yeah. trying to be The Last of Us or God of War. It's just it knows what it is, and it's having fun while you do it. So I think that's why you're you're seeing those reviews that are, you know, mixed on it, but that anecdotally the people that are in are just having a blast because that's what they are are there that's for. That's what I want. Wrong. I mean, I'm watching Leah play Valhalla and she's like smashing the shit out of giant rocks with an axe, like which is ridiculous, and like firing arrows in eight directions at once. Like it's all ridiculous, but that's what makes it fun. Like I've said many times before, like I love the Saints Row games and the just cause type games because they're they're ridiculous and they're so over the top that's what i want i don't want i don't want or need like every game to be super grounded and realistic that's why red dead redemption 2 kind of left me cold it was like so grounded in like nitty-gritty realism that like even just doing like basic kind of tasks that are easy to do in other games just felt like a like a slog like a chore and so um you know this this conversation i think is going to be one that tips me over to finally Try and watch. If you're saying like, well, the thing about Watch Dogs is like it's a bit ridiculous. I'm like, well, you've just convinced me to go play it. I'm all in. 
Well, I'm all in. Like you, man. <laughs> I like hearing that. It's right. Gary, I know you've been playing some games with the family over there. Why don't you tell me about an awesome game you've been playing? So, you know, not necessarily the sexiest game in the launch lineup, but I have been all over it because I was a big fan of this since it debuted on PlayStation last year. Tetris Effect Connected. You know I love you know how I love my Tetris, Mike. I saw you playing it on stream uh, just the other day. We got to we got to hook up for some multiplayer because that was the big thing when Tetris Effect first came out. I loved it, loved it, loved it. I still stand by my opinion. Other than the the original uh, Game Boy version from 1989, I think it's the best version of Tetris. It's like a transcendent experience. Like once you get that control of you know vibing and buzzing in your hand, and the music is kicking in. I went and downloaded the soundtrack on Apple Music the other day. Like it's just it's just you know good vibes, and you know it's you, you get you get you get dialed into that zone, that Tetris zone where everything's like you know falling into place just nicely, and the music is rocking, and the, the you know the images, you know the kind of the you know the hallucinogen images are kind of pulsing. Like it just takes you to this other place, and it's wonderful, and I love that, and I loved everything about the PlayStation 4 version, but the big knock against it was where's the multiplayer? Because Tetris really, really comes into its own, as you know, uh, in the multiplayer modes, you know, when you're kind of sending each other trash and like, you know, crashing each other through the roofs and stuff and it gets really competitive. It was like, where the hell is it? Um, And that was the big fix that they brought in with the Xbox version. I'm like, finally, the connected mode where I can play, where we can play, um, uh, you know, online or in groups. We've been doing, we've tried two different um, uh, modes. There's, it's perfect for our family because it's me, my wife, and my daughter all play together. And one of the really, really cool modes is basically uh, all three of you uh, working cooperatively to take down an AI opponent. I don't know if you've tried this yet, but what's really amazing about it is like uh, once you fill your your zone meter, all three of your individual Tetris playfields unify into one. Have you tried this, Mike? And you can kind of drop your blocks in, in different parts of the playfield, and you actually find yourself kind of working collaboratively as a team, taking turns to drop blocks and kind of feel. You know, I'll set you. It's almost like volleyball. Like I'll set it up, and you knock it down. And it's so much fun to play, and we've been loving doing that. And then we just last night, literally last night, started scratching the surface of the online uh, multiplayer, doing some random. Uh, you know, uh, matchmaking. I got my ass handed to me. I said, I can't do this. It's too hard. I gave it to the controller to my wife and she went on like a 10 run winning streak. So I think we all know who the real Tetris player in our family is. But I don't know if you guys have have, have really kind of scratched the surface much on that, um, the multiplayer modes on Tetris Effect Connected, but do not sleep on it because it's really, really fun. Yeah, you got me smiling, Gary, because I have played the multiplayer mode with my friends and I am a big Tetris newbie. I tried to stream it online and I noticed I was staring at the chat more than I was focusing (laughs) on my Tetris gameplay. And so I was pretty bad, but it was really fun to turn off the stream and play with my friends, Washburn, Kevin and Maddox and learn from them and see what we were doing. And then, like you said, that moment where all of a sudden we're together and I'm screaming, what the heck is happening? (laughs) And they're like, don't worry, we're going to do this together. And I was laughing. So it has been fun. And I love the colors. I love the video. I love everything that's happening with the audio and the music building up and then dropping when you get those sweet combos, it is a ton of fun, especially in a multiplayer game situation where I really love playing with my friends and to share a moment like that where, similar to you, Gary, Washburn loves Tetris. And so it's really cool for me to grab one of my friends who loves and adores Tetris and be like, hey, let's go play this together. That's everything I could ever ask for. We should we should definitely hook up and stream some uh, collaborative Tetris sometimes because it's like I said, it's it's really fun. When those, when those three play fields all kind of like join up into one seamless playfield it's 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 such a great innovation there have been many many um attempts over the years to kind of reinvent tetris or like bring new dimensions to it and it's like 
there's the Tetris was already basically perfect, like when it was first invented. And a lot of the attempts to kind of add extra dimensionality onto it haven't worked because, you know, it's hard to, to improve on perfection. But Tetris Effect Connect, some other games over the years have done like Tetris 99, right, was a brilliant brilliant reinvention and innovation in in the tetris space by bringing the battle royale concept in there and this unified play field i mean there are, there's a bunch of other like standard play modes multiplayer modes in um uh in connected like the, again the three-on-one kind of uh, multiplayer campaign mode is really really fun with that with that unified play field that's the first thing that i've seen in years and i and i tetris is probably the game that i've bought the most i must have bought tetris 20, 30 different times on the Game Boy, on the Nintendo DS, uh, in V. I bought Tetris Effect like three times in VR, like all over the place. This is the first time that I've seen something where I'm like, this is a genuinely new kind of Tetris. Other than, again, Tetris 99 being the other example on the Nintendo Switch. This is the first time in a long time that I've seen like a new kind of, a new way of playing Tetris that is still true to the spirit of Tetris, but also feels like total, a totally new approach. And I love that. Luke, any Tetris for you? What are your thoughts on Tetris Connected if you've played it? Dabbled in it. Uh, I'm all in for more. My buddy Joseph Moran, who hosts a PlayStation podcast uh, called The Trophy Room, he and I will, will, will join up sometimes. And the thing that we always notice is the music, the sound. If you've got yourself a good headset, uh, it, it, it changes that experience so much. Tetris Effect uh, Connected and, and, of course, Tetris Effect over on the, the PlayStation side just – they can get emotional. You can find yourself being very emotional due to those beats and it's Tetris and it's just, it's engrossing. And I I'm all in on Gary's pick. And the thing that we haven't mentioned, uh, I believe is that it's in game pass. Like I just had it. That's right. It's on game pass. Day one. It gave me Rezo gun vibes with the beats and the excitement and the colors from way back when. I dig it, man. Good, good suggestion. That's a the good vibration good. really, really works, and it's and 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 it's very granular. Like you can go into your settings, and you can have your you have your controller, um, you know, because the whole thing, right? Like where this came from, like the developers of Res and these other games, where you know the synesthesia thing, where you know what you're what you're hearing and what you're seeing and what you're feeling in your hand are, are all kind of connected, you know, so that you know when the controller is vibrating, it's buzzing and vibrating. And pulsing kind of in time with the music so like all your all of your sensory input kind of feels like it's dialed in together it's just that that's the way to play and again and the game does specifically say hey if you have some headphones put on headphones because that's the best way to experience this like you know turn you know t- turn off your phone draw the curtains put on some yeah. really good headphones dial up the volume set your controller so it's so it's because it, there's there's different you can see do you, do you want the controller vibration off do you want it to just vibrate in time with the gameplay or do you want it to vibrate in time with the music or do you want gameplay and music? My tip is gameplay and music because when that controller is good, all the music, right, usually has like a good kind of uns, uns beat to it. Like they kind of let that EDM kind of vibe. When that controller is kind of vibing along with that music, like every now and again, and Tetris is one of the games that does it for me, is like you just feel like you dial, and you all know what I'm talking about as well. Like you, you get that feeling where you're just like so dialed in and you're like, I'm in the zone right now. Like there's just me in the game and nothing else exists. Tetris Effect is a game that will take you into that zone. And it's, I, I just love, I love those kind of experiences. You guys are getting me really excited about some awesome games here. I'm going to have to practice my Tetris, Gary. We'll play together soon, I promise. So I get to talk about some games I've been playing. I'm going to talk about one big one, but I want to bring up a quick small one because Gary brought up Tetris 99, a crazy out there battle royale concept. And now I want to talk about one of the biggest sleeper hits of 2020 that you might not know about. Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition just added a battle royale mode. Yeah, that's right. A 21-year-old plus game on your PC Game Pass has battle royale in Age of Empires 2. 
I can see it in Gary's eyes. He's like, what How does the that heck work? are you talking about, Mike? Yeah, exactly, Gary. How does it work? It's insane. It's fun. It's dumb. And it's an awesome little addition to this. So how it works is you start off in a map. There's eight players on the world. And you start with two units. And so the big map, there's a closing circle and everything. But you start to go in towards the middle of the map. And you'll find different settlements. Some settlements will have two or three guards. Some won't have any. And you take them over. These settlements will start to gain you resources, as you know, from Age of Empires. And then you're going to start to go into unit building because they already have the buildings there. So there is no construction, really. It's just straight up unit building and trying to take over territories as you start to slowly close in with the moving circle into the end of the map. And it becomes a ton of fun at the end when there's four, three, sometimes even more players still alive. And everybody amasses these giant armies and they just collide in the middle. You fight over castles. You fight over larger units that can be produced in these different areas. And Gary, let me tell you what. I didn't think that you could elevate Age of Empires 2 to another level, but they did it. 21 years later, here we are. I'm talking about Age of Empires 2 Battle Royale. That's the craziest thing I think I could have said on this podcast. I, I got to say that it really puts a smile on my face because as someone who, who really kind of came of age, you know, I was editor-in-chief of PC Gamer Magazine during the 1990s when real-time strategy games were like were in their golden age, you know, like, you know, Command and Conquer, Warcraft, Starcraft, Age of Empires, all the other games that are out there when, when you know, turn-based strategy went away and real-time strategy kind of ruled the roost. There was a period there for a long, a long time that's only recently, I think, started to come to an end, that golden age of of real-time strategy games. I just, I loved them. I loved them so much. And so it's really, really exciting to see how Battle Royale can kind of reinvigorate, um, you know, a very, you know, at this point, kind of long in the tooth console. But RTS games are not as popular as they used to be because they've largely kind of gone stale and it's hard to make them work on console. But one thing I was definitely wrong about when when Battle Royale, when I first started playing PUBG, I'm like, okay, Battle Royale is kind of cool and it's reinvented the first person genre and it continues to do so, right? We all love Warzone. There's so much going on, um, you know, in the in the Battle Royale space that we love. But I was like, I don't really feel like this is, I feel like it's going to be restricted to first person shooters. Like, I don't really see how the Battle Royale concept is going to be applicable or could be additive to other genres but i was totally wrong about that because look at tetris 99 look at super mario 35 for god's sake mario battle royale but it works and now you're talking about battle royale breathing new life into the rts space it's really amazing to see it's really cool gary and it's part of game pass so you really have no excuse if you're interested in this or you're saying dang that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard of it's on Game Pass as well. Luke, tell and, me. And I'm sorry, just one, other, just one other thing. Like, how cool is it? The like, Age of Empires 2, right? Which is like, oh, yeah, like Age of Empires 2 is a game that you kind of talk about in the past tense, right? A great game, but like, it's kind of had its day. But now Battle Royale has kind of like brought it back from the dead. It's nutty. I just love it. Something worth mentioning, and I don't think it gets a lot of attention here in the console space. Shows like this where we focus more largely on the console experience is the amount of love and care that Microsoft and Xbox specifically have put into their PC space. Uh, they dabble, they, they had missteps along the way, but I would say in the last three, four years, they've really nailed it. And I mean, Age of Empires is getting all kinds of love over there. They're bringing in uh, things like Halo Wars and, and promoting that again, which is a game that I absolutely adore. Gears Tactics making its way there. Flight Simulator. That PC space is benefiting the Xbox ecosystem so much and vice versa. And to Gary's point about bringing, uh, bringing old games back, I think Microsoft's doing a good job of that. And I'm curious if we see any more reinventions or reintroductions of games that we're familiar with now, but bringing them into other genres uh, from where they currently stand. And that would be 
uh, I think, a continued testament to Microsoft's commitment to bringing PC gamers into their fold, which, again, hasn't always been perfect. And so I think it's improving. And, and it's cool to hear that, I mean, like, you're into that. Battle Royale, Age of Empires, it's just, that's a, that's a crazy concept, and it works. And it works, Luke. It has custom games, so you can play with all your friends. It's dumb fun. And just some fun I thought I'd share with our listeners and viewers, right? Because like you said, Luke, Xbox now is an ecosystem, whether it be on your Android mobile device, whether you be playing on console or on PC, Xbox is now building a big ecosystem where you can play anywhere. And I know we have a lot of PC listeners out there. We have players that are playing on all their consoles and PC. So I thought I'd share that one for the week. But my main game that I've been playing, and I actually am happy to say that I busted out the Series S for this, is Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. I've been running around with Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War on both the Series X and on the Series S, and it's really fun. This game is awesome, right? We came off of Call of Duty Modern Warfare, where a lot of people loved this campaign. I personally loved the multiplayer into the Battle Royale space with Warzone, and I was hesitant, right? I'm not a big first-person shooter, Nick Merck's competitive guy, but I do love having fun with my friends in these games, similar to what I would have experienced with Halo. Unfortunately, we don't have that this year, but the really cool one is, is this game has gotten me into it. I am playing Team Deathmatch. I am running around in these multiplayer modes, and I'm having a ton of fun. And the optimization that they've elevated with, right, 120 frames, you can go out there and adjust the FOV slider. It's really, really cool to see on these consoles. And they actually run well doing it, right? Because back in the day on the Xbox One, you could adjust the FOV slider on Apex Legends, but it would tell you, hey, this might start to mess with the game, the look, the running, that's you know how strong this can be. And to see it run well on not only the Series X, which I would expect, but this Series S behind me, I am truly impressed by it because it runs like a champion. It looks good. It plays good. I will say when I play the campaign, I want to give nothing but love to the campaign because I think it is a really fun popcorn action flick, right? That is Call of Duty campaign to its core. It's a little bit smaller. It's easy to digest, easy to get through with some fun side missions and some really cool areas to explore. But in all honesty, if you're looking for a weekend trip with some popcorn and just some wild, crazy action sequences, this campaign is a ton of fun. But what I want to get to is the Series S over here runs it very well. It is a little bit noticeable, not that true 4K crisp, kind of like Gary was talking about, right? Well, I'm not counting pixels, but I can tell it's not as clean looking as the Series X, but it still looks good. That's what I really want to get at is I'm impressed by the look. I'm more impressed by the running and the fidelity of the, you know, the strength of the speed for the frames, the constant frames. But man, oh man, it is a ton of fun. And the Series S is holding its own. Me and Gary will go in a little more detail next podcast with our impressions of it. But I did want to highlight that, hey, I've turned this on and this thing is running very well, especially with the Call of Duty game that's pushing it to the limit, which is awesome to see. Mike, I want to pick up on a, on a, on a number of points that you and Luke just raised there. Uh, first of all, to Luke's point um, about, game, about how like the PC element of Game Pass is often kind of forgotten about. When you, when you think about Game Pass, like if we were doing word association, if someone says to you Game Pass, you'd go Xbox, right? Like that's what you think about it. Xbox, Game Pass, like it just goes together. But, and so it's easily forgotten that it's also a PC product. And I think there are plenty of people out there who even if they don't have an Xbox, Game Pass is a really viable value for them just as a, as a Windows gamer. And again, I'm old enough to remember having edited PC Gamer back in the 90s, all of Microsoft's kind of previous failed Valiant, but failed efforts 
to finally kind of take gaming seriously. Remember games for Windows? And back in the day, they tried to do that whole branding thing. It didn't really work out. Like They tried all this branding stuff, but like, guess what? People don't want branding bullshit. They actually want games. They want content and they want good value. And Game Pass, uh, even on just purely as a PC product, is actually a really, really great value for Windows gamers. And for those of us who have both, I don't know how big a subset that is, people that are gaming on Xbox and uh, Windows. And so Game Pass Ultimate is like, that's the right product for them. I suspect it's actually a fairly large subset. It's incredible. And some of the others, I'm just noticing this. I pulled up my Xbox app, Mike, to like to put Age of Empires 2 on my, on my list, even as we were speaking. And the first thing that I noticed was actually this other thing that I uh, saw earlier today that was interesting, Minecraft Dungeons. Now, cross-platform, you can play on Xbox, on PC, and even if you're playing via xCloud, you know, your Android phone or whatever, and everyone can play together. That, is, that to me, is like the future that we should be increasingly um, going towards. On Cold War, um, I also play... I, I get sucked into those ridiculous Call of Duty campaigns every year, and I really, really enjoyed the Cold War campaign, I gotta say. They're, they're so goofy, they're so silly. The Robert Redford guy with the fucked-up face is like, it's just yeah. the coolest character I've seen. Adler, just the coolest character in a video game I've seen in a really, really long time. And again, as a child of the 80s, I really appreciated that whole like East Berlin you know, creeping around in the shadows. It has, it has a very kind of Robert Redford, Three Days of the Condor, spy game kind of like classic espionage kind of vibe don't get me wrong if you're if you're looking for any kind of nuanced or like adult um you know like a serious you know story about the cold war go somewhere go somewhere else because this ain't it it's like basically like a cold war looney tunes cartoon it's so ridiculous that spoiler alert that that episode i'm not gonna say anything but the mission that takes place inside kgb headquarters is absolutely fucking insane in the best well you know what i'm talking about mike the back oh, end yeah. of that mission uh-huh. is so off the hook ridiculous i was just like grinning the whole time that i played it it is a very very short campaign i don't know how it stacks up to others but it may be my ceiling feeling is it's probably one of the shorter call of duty campaigns like the, the last game modern warfare that was like a good that was a really meaty campaign this one it felt like ah we kind of have to do a campaign but they made it really really short it's like i finished i started playing it like on the wednesday evening and i was done with it like thursday afternoon like it, it didn't take me long to play through at all but i i'm glad i played it and had a really good time on the multiplayer, Mike, I actually do want to, I, I, at some point, I want to dive into that with you um, because they have, I don't know if you tried this yet, but they have a mode in there that I'm really, really curious about called VIP Escort, where, uh, so this takes me back to the old days of Team Fortress, not Team Fortress 2, but the original, original Team Fortress used to have a mode called The Hunted. And basically it was two different teams. There was like, there was, a, there was actually essentially three different player groups you could be in. You could be like the like the secret service like bodyguard protection detail and then you could be like the assassins and then there was a third group one player gets to be like el presidente and the 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 protective group has to escort el presidente from like group from point a to point b across this really really long map and all these different choke points and ambush areas and stuff like that and then you know while the assassins team are trying to take him out if you if you kill an assassin they just respawn and run back but if you kill el presidente that's it the game is over so everything is about protecting like the vip i haven't i haven't done a deep dive on vip escort yet but if it's anything like that i used to have so much fun playing the old team fortress uh game mode I'm hoping that VIP Escort has a similar vibe to. I don't know if you tried it, it might be. If so, that that's the first mode that I'm I'm keen to check out because like deathmatch and capture the flag. I've done that a million times. I think there's like, the, the the escort stuff, the stuff that's like a little bit, you know, Warzone battle royale kind of changed the game. And I think we can continue to do that with more um, interesting, you know, approaches to, uh, you know, f- uh, 
classic kind of Call of Duty gameplay and that escort uh, um, uh, mission uh, game mode. If it's anything like the old Team Fortress mode, I definitely want a, a piece of that for sure. Well, Gary, I got some good news for you because you're going to like this one. And I'll tell you what, they also have some other cool modes. I don't know if you've got to try Dirty Bomb yet. That is no, their what is big Dirty Bomb? Team, that's, we'll call it the Big Team Battle, but it actually divides you into smaller groups of, I believe, five or six because uh, you can only squad up with fours, but then they add people to your team, which I don't like. I don't know what's up okay. with that. But it's really cool because it's a giant map with about five different areas, and your goal is to either kill other players and obtain their nuclear chemicals, whatever it is, because you're, you're making a nuclear bomb to go off, and you grab it from either killing other players or out in the woods and in houses. There's boxes that you can open up, and you'll obtain them, and then you'll go back and deposit it until the bomb is ready to blow up. Oh. It's a giant battle, everybody's shooting at different teams, and you can go from different points of the map to try to set off that bomb, to that bomb, to that bomb, and it's a lot of fun, and it's really, really cool. And Gary, you know, you've seen me in the war zone. I love to grab the helicopter and kill people. I know you in the helicopter and Halo saw, with the Warthog, you know. I saw a clip of you blowing up a goddamn battleship or something yeah. the other day. I don't know what was going well, on there. What I was going to say, Gary, is, you know, I like <laughs> these big team modes because they have the vehicles, and so you have the motorcycles, you have the snowmobiles, you have the tanks, you have the um, jet skis. And what I've been doing lately is I strap a C4 onto whatever vehicle I'm driving in, and then I drive <laughs> it right headlong into you, jump out, C4, explode it, and it makes for oh some my God. of the best moments. And it's just so much fun, especially with the fast-paced nature that is Call of Duty multiplayer, where if you die, you smash X to respawn, and you jump right back into battle and start shooting. This Call of Duty multiplayer has got me really back into it i got i gotta try it with you between the dirty bomb mode and the and the vip escort mode i you and i've got to set up set aside some time to uh to jump you'll be carrying me as usual but i definitely want to play in these modes for sure you know it luke are you a call of duty guy and have you got uh, any uh interest in this love call of duty genuinely love call of duty not good at it anymore was once very good in the old modern warfare one and two days uh, but I'm no longer, we, my crew and I, you know, we all, some of us have just like a crew that we just game with and we rotate through. We, we rocked it on Warzone for, for a good while, uh, faded out, moved to some other stuff, picking up Cold War in this past week or so, particularly on Series X and, and playing with a friend who's, uh, on a, uh, on a PlayStation five and playing crossplay and getting to enjoy our game the way we want in our worlds and still play together has been amazing i'm in really impressed with the multiplayer of cold war i like the time to kill it feels a little more weighty than uh than i'm than i'm used to in call of duty and maybe that's just me uh maybe i'm, I'm just not as versed as i once was but i'm liking cold war i'm anxious to try out the zombies mode and you know gary's talking about that that campaign length it really and truly there is a place that i think is is too often frowned upon in, in the hardcore podcasting space for for short campaigns we i really think short campaigns have a, a wonderful place in the gaming sphere uh because a lot of people are busy and they, they play multiple games or they're their parents or they've got a lot going on at work and i think a five hour six hour call of duty campaign is perfect for that type of experience and i want my meteor campaign to be with master chief or with you know marcus phoenix or kate diaz etc so i i'm actually encouraged by that comment that the campaign is short because uh, multiplayer is, is typically my Call of Duty experience. I, I kind of halfway agree with that. I've, I've been an advocate for shorter games for a long time. Like anytime someone says to me, oh, the only thing with this game is it's a bit short. I'm like, great. Because like 
I'm a busy guy. I got like a family and shit going on. I want to be able to play. I want to be able to play a game to completion. Feel like I saw the ending and had a full experience and move on to the next thing. Anytime someone says, "Oh yeah, it's like a 120 hour campaign," I'm like, "Oh geez, like I don't know. Like I'm ever going to get to the end of it." Um, I, having said that, though, I, I kind of felt like even by those standards, the Cold War campaign uh, felt comparatively short compared to like you know Modern Warfare had had more to it. It just, I, I guess, it's a good thing, really. It just, it kind of left me wanting more. I'm like, oh man, like. You get you get to that point where where the game's basically telling you know you, every game has this like once you go past this point you know you're entering the end game you can't go back anymore do you want to continue that moment happened in the Cold War game I was I was kind of like already really I was just I was just starting to really get into the story um, and so it wrapped up quickly and I'm sure it wasn't I don't think like the Treyarch and the Call of Duty devs went like oh as a creative choice let's do a, a, a shorter campaign this year it's just that you know increasingly you know Call of Duty really is a multiplayer franchise. In the past, you know, Call of Duty has even you know, flirted with just not even bothering with the single player campaign because they just they feel like it's not really worth their resources where they could be spending it, you know, uh, uh, beefing up the multiplayer where most people are going to be spending their time. I'm glad that that has swung back the other way. Last year's Modern Warfare campaign was really, really good. One of the best ones they've done. And I thought this one was good as well. It was just even for me, even for someone who constantly makes apologies for games being shorter, this this campaign just felt a little short, but again, mostly because I was enjoying it so much, I was kind of bummed when I felt like it was wrapping up a little soon. Well, some awesome games. Thank you for kicking off that podcast. Let's jump into some news coming from the Xbox world. Of course, last week we talked about it, me and Gary, the Jabronis reselling all these consoles at an insane price tag. And so our first story is console shortages and when will more come? This story comes from IGN by Joe Scrabbles. I'll read directly really quick from this. Microsoft CFO Tim Stewart has said the company expects shortages of Xbox Series X and Series S to continue through the first quarter of 2021. Speaking at the Jeffries Interactive Entertainment Virtual Conference transcribed by Seeking Alpha, Stewart was asked about resupplying after Xbox Series pre-orders sold out and explained that demand is huge right now, adding, quote, frankly, gaming is just exploding, end quote. The upshot appears to be that supply won't be able to truly meet demand for some time yet. Quote, I think we'll continue to see supply shortages as we head into the post-holiday quarter. So Microsoft's Q3 calendar Q1, the period ending March 31st, 2021, said Stewart. And then when we get to Microsoft's fourth quarter, April through June 2021, all of our supply chain continuing to go full speed ahead into kind of pre-summer months. End quote. Gary, I'm going to turn to you, the veteran here in this industry. You've been around for a lot of console launches. You've seen the supply and demand. And, you know, me and Luke here, we're really experiencing this new day and age of being on social media and seeing people either celebrate getting some or not getting one and, you know, being heartbroken or upset. We're seeing people living in a COVID world now where, you know, we went online, we're going online, we're staying online. Some people are being able to go to a Target, a Walmart, maybe find one, not find any. Is this the normal for us, Gary? Is this something you've experienced before? Or is this maybe a heightened thing since we're all trapped at home and we're playing games? I'm trying to remember the last time, at least in modern recent memory, um, where at the launch of any console, there was just plentiful supply and no supply issues at all. And you could just walk in on day one, week one, week two, and just grab one off the shelf. Like, I don't know if that's ever been the case. I don't remember that being the case with the original Xbox or with the original PlayStation or the PS2, 3, 4, 360, Xbox One, they were all hard to get at launch. So remember the, remember the original Nintendo Wii? You couldn't get one for like six months. 
the switch was was really was really really hard to get for almost a year and still like in super uh high demand going into the to the holidays it's as hot as ever i think the switch i think it was announced just the other day the switch has been like the number one selling console for like the last 20 months or something nintendo is just absolutely dominating um and so there's nothing particularly new here, except as you said, Mike, and we talked about this a little bit briefly before the show, that because of everything that's happening in the world with COVID, we're experiencing those shortages and those and those opportunities to kind of grab one in a slightly different way. It used to be that you know when you're just out and about, like you might go to Target or Walmart or Best Buy or whatever, you know, GameStop, whatever store uh, is your preference. You know, you're pot- you're pottering around. Anytime I don't know about you, but anytime I go to Target, like I always like you know wander over to the electronic section just to see what uh, what toys are are available. And, you know, I'm just curious to see, just like I don't need a, another Xbox or a PlayStation right now, but I'm just curious to know, like, is there stock? What's happening? And I was at Target yesterday. We had to get some stuff for uh, for Thanksgiving uh, dinner, um, and I wandered over. Um, and, uh, yeah, the cupboard was bare. Like, the only thing you could get was a PlayStation 5 controller. Oh, and they also had the Series X uh, controller in all the different colors. But, like, the actual consoles, like, it's just a big, empty space where you know the you know the case where you have to go come ask the person to unlock it for you so you can get the there's just a big empty space kind of mocking you um and usually usually in a normal world especially over the thanksgiving black friday holidays like we're going to shops a lot right and we're and there's lots of like targets for opportunity oh my god there's an xbox quickly go get the guy go get the guy get him get him get it out the case for us and you might actually spot one in the world you might get lucky you know just on your travels um, the problem is there aren't any travels this year, right? If you've got a decent head on your shoulders, you're staying home and you're not going to the shops unless you absolutely need to. And so the way that we're discovering when things are back in stock now is much less through just like happening to get lucky and spot, you know, right as they're restocking it, you happen to be at Walmart or whatever, you're able to grab one. The only way you're finding them now is if you're signing, if you like follow Wario64 on Twitter, or if you sign up for the the different stock alerts and the Twitter accounts that will notify you when something's back in stock. I signed up for a couple of those accounts, by the way, and they largely are no good. Like I got I, I got a thing on my phone, Best Buy, um, the PlayStation uh, 5 Digital Edition, which is the one I really wanted, is back in stock. And I, I saw the notification on my phone. Ooh, I'm going to jump on it. Within 20 seconds, I was on the website, sold out. Like you've got to be so fast these days because my, and you, you say it better than I would, these jabronis that are out there with their bots and their little robots that are grabbing up these, the, these, these consoles before anyone else can get them. It drives, it drives me crazy. So it's much, and, 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 and here's the thing, like those, those, those bot people, those scalpers, those jabronis are really having a great time right now because online where they excel, where they have these bots and they have these tools that can get them uh, into their shopping cart and checked out way faster than any human being can. That's or that's the mainly the only way that these consoles. There's going to be no Black Friday, um, you know, uh, crowds this year. I gotta hope not. Uh, but there's not going to be any like you know big Black Friday lines or anything this year because people, are, for the most part, going to have the good sense to stay home. And I think the retailers are going to have the good sense not to try and create those you know those those 28 days later type scenes that we see every Black Friday where people are getting trampled so they can save ten dollars on a toaster or whatever. We don't want to see those scenes this year because it's just going to make things ten times worse. But what, but what that does mean is, you know, th- th- those. I think we've all experienced this, right? I'm sure all of us here and people listening to the podcast right now have had that experience where, like, yeah, I'm never going to get the, the console or the thing that I want. You happen to be in a, a, a store and, like, oh, they, they have it, they have it, quick, get it, and you're able to grab it. That's not happening this year. The only way we're doing that is if, is if we're able to find them online, and that's tougher than ever because of these, well, I said, you say jabronis. I would use another word, but we'll get, we'll get blacklisted from YouTube. 
Luke, what do you think here as you take a look? Well, I, uh, I I hear all of those things that he's, he's saying. I will say, Gary, anecdotally, I was doing an alert system on Warrior 64. That's how I was able to get my PlayStation 5. Very lucky. That is not typical. That's an atypical situation. And uh, it's frustrating. And I will say the easiest way, uh, because gaming belongs to everybody, and if someone's trying to scalp you for a system, my call to action is don't. Don't do it. Don't pay exorbitant prices for, for a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series S or X. Because, uh, much to my pleasure, I think it's made the review process a little bit difficult, but this blended generation that we're doing right now means that I can play Gears of War with somebody on an Xbox One, a One S, a One X, a Series S, a Series X, their phone, their PC, and we can all play together. If you right now, due to availability or finances, cannot get your hands on an Xbox uh, Series S or X or a next-gen system uh, of your choosing, that's okay. Um, nearly everything right now, you can play on a current-gen system and you can know that there will be great games waiting for you when you get there. You can know that those experiences will get better. But for now, keep enjoying those great games and play them and have a blast with them. And you'll get them when you get them. And uh, we're in fortunate positions when we are able to get our hands on them. But, I mean, my, my brother's moving in with us guys in a few, few weeks uh, to stay for a little bit. I thought about getting him a Series S. I really did just having it in there for him so we could jump on together. Availability and finances, it's just not its not a thing that's likely going to happen. That's okay. I've got an Xbox One X that I used to use. I'll throw that in his room right there. We're going to play our games together. There's I, 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 I got to say that kind of laid back, you'll get it when you get it attitude is very is very easy to express when you've already got the Series X sitting in your uh, in your AV. I know some people that haven't been able to get their hand. The frustration is very very real and i and i and i totally empathize i do want to make a point also about the blended generation it's interesting to think about there's so much so many things that are different about uh this generation and maybe one of the biggest ones is that both on playstation and on xbox there isn't a single launch title that is exclusively available only on that next gen console right everything that we're playing right now on series x there's there's a you know we'll, we'll, we'll play obviously with degraded performance but all the way down to the 1s to the very bottom of the barrel um mar you know like even mar like mars morales which to, to credit to sony i think could arguably have made that a playstation 5 exclusive to like really kind of drive people toward the system but it's out there for playstation 4 as well so i'm kind of liking this new um where you know it's not just like one generation like ends on a specific day and the next one begins with like exclusive titles that are only for that next gen platform it's now more like you said more of a blend like we're easing out the next generation the old generation gradually and easing in the new one we're in this kind of transitional period and yeah I, in 2021 i think you're going to start to see the first what well, we we know for a fact that we are going to see the very first games that will be playstation 5 exclusive i think xbox you know their strategy is a little bit different. They want to try and keep the legacy system supported for longer. I think I think it will be I think it will be longer before we see the first Series X exclusive title. I don't even know if that's even on the radar right now because right now Microsoft seem really um, uh, determined to kind of support as many of the platforms across the board as possible. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm really grateful for that. And I think for the, for those people who cannot get their hands on an XJ, so if you can't get your hands on a PlayStation 5 right now, it's kind of great that that doesn't mean you can't play Miles Morales, right? You can still go play it on PlayStation 4. And the same is true on, on the Xbox side as well, like Tetris Effect, we talked about Tetris earlier. That's that's technically a Series X launch title, but you can also get it on, go play it on any Xbox. Um, so you don't need to feel quite so out in the cold uh, this holiday uh, season, even if you weren't able to get your hands on the newest hardware, you can still play the same games that um, the lucky uh, the lucky few of us are playing. Just you know, not 
quite, you know, at the highest level. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting as we near the holidays, right? Black Friday coming up. Then, of course, the holidays with Christmas and New Year's and then looking into the spring. And it will be exciting to see how many consoles they can really get out there for these big periods that you know they'd love to have as many on the shelves. But due to COVID, you know, everybody's trying to work safely. Everybody's trying to work smartly here. And it looks like the team over at Xbox wants to do just that, right? They want to set the precedence of let's not put anybody in danger. Let's make sure we do this right. And yeah, it does suck right now. And I know a lot of people are feeling it, like Gary said, but we will get through this. And thankfully, like Luke said, all of these games are able to play on any of part of the ecosystem. So you should be able to play and still have fun without that increased graphical and you know frame rate. But it can be a very interesting one as we head into the holidays. Another one we got, of course, we've talked about this. The next two topics, we've talked about a bunch, but we continue to get new stories, new insights on it but we won't know what happens until it's finally here. So over on the Halo Infinite side, we do know that we will have a Halo Infinite update coming here soon. So coming from the 343's Industries Community Manager, Brian Gerard commented on a Reddit discussion thread, and he wrote the following, quote, right now, we're still going through a huge cascade of implementations, sorry about that, and ramifications to the release shift, and the team is heads down working through nearly every facet of the game. Full disclosure, we don't have anything planned for the VGAs, but are hoping to offer at least a high-level update within the next few weeks so we can kind of restart this journey together after the holidays. Luke, that's the big one right there to end. Kind of restart the journey together after the holidays. I know a lot of us are all missing Halo here for this launch. I know you in particular would have loved to seen that. But what do you want to hear from 343 Industries with this update, what is something that will make you happy knowing that this team is hard at work or on the right path? What a weighted question, Mike. That's that's tough because uh, I, w- I was one of those guys. I mean, I had I bought the helmet. I was I had the outfit for Halloween. I've got all these mega constructs for, for Halo. I was doing skits on Twitter and I, I was so ready for it. And my heart was broken when it was delayed. And. My heart was broken as a user. Imagine being the creators, the people involved in creating that. It had to be that much more difficult for them. Uh, and seeing the marketing come out, it was clearly just a, a missed opportunity. And that's retread. Uh, that's not an area we need to retread. The thing that would make me most happy, Mike, really and truly, and I mean this sincerely, is if they come out and they say, they say we're taking our time. We are making sure that we're all okay. We're all doing it right. I love, 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 love some of the major heavy hitters we've gotten over the past few years uh, on the PlayStation side with God of War and Last of Us. But a lot of times we hear conversations about long hours being put in. And that's, a, that's not a one-to-one comparison because sometimes creators want to create and put that time in to make the thing they want. But I want to hear the teams happy and executing on their vision clearly and concisely and that the Halo Infinite that reaches players is the one they want. Um, and how do you do that? I don't know. The messaging on Halo has been very mixed, for sure. Uh, but I, I want to know that the, the vision that they're trying to create is the one that we are going to get. And uh, my hope is that it delivers on both nostalgic vibes and bringing in new players, which hopefully the free-to-play multiplayer does that. Uh, and we, we, lest we forget that when people saw ODST for the first time and Reach for the first time, they were not nearly as beloved as they are now. And I think Halo 4, people are starting to realize how great that campaign was. Uh, And they always recognize Halo 5s. My hope is that when Infinite arrives, 
Uh, it's the product that they want to deliver and they're executing on their vision. And what would make me most happy, again, back to your original question, is to hear that they're being given the time that they need to do that. Uh, I, I would rather have delays than a team be stressed and, and breaking their backs to put out something that may not be with their full vision. That's really well said, Luke. And I feel the same way right there. I, I am all about, hey, we as a team have our heads down. We, we will be transparent and we'll talk with you about it, but we know we have work to be done. And that's all that really matters to me. I want them just to go to work and not worry about what we're saying as, you know, pundits and on the podcast, what the public is saying. Let's just focus on everybody's health. Let's focus on everybody's safety. And let's focus on putting out the best possible product. Gary, I'm going to look at you. You brought up the VGAs and not being there. Is this something that you even considered after you, me, and Alana saw that first reveal of the gameplay? Did you really think that the VGAs were the right time after, what, just a couple of weeks, really? to get this prepared and ready, would this be the right move for them? You're still muted, Gary. I'm gonna say, Gary was gonna say something very ele elegant and um, made you think a lot and made you think about where the VGAs are at, made you think about uh, where How's Halo's now? at. There you are. Yeah, there you are. Okay. Sorry about that. I don't know. My NVIDIA broadcast shit the bed. Um, sorry, Barrett. Did you want to finish your point? Or no, you just, I, I was you, speaking you for you. I, like, I was guessing okay. what you were going to say. <laughs> no, look, I mean, the, 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 sh the ship has sailed in terms of, you know, I, we were eagerly anticipating Halo Info. I think now there's been a reset and we're like, no, at this point, no one's expecting it to be imminent. No one's like, oh, it's not at the VGAs. What a disappointment. Like, at, at this point, it's going to happen when it happens. Like, and, I, and I, I've said before, I think it's going to be a holiday 2021 release at this point. That's my guess. Uh, I'd be surprised if it's any earlier. I may be wrong. But like, again, it'll, it'll, to Luke's point, it'll come out when it comes out. They, you, you Increasingly now, thank God, we live in a, in a climate where, you know, the mental and physical and emotional health of, of developers is, is being increasingly uh, respected. And, you know, nobody wants, especially in the age of COVID, nobody wants to uh, kill themselves over getting a game uh, released on time. It'll, it'll come when, it, when, it, when it's ready. Uh, they, Microsoft and 343 cannot afford for Halo Infinite to be anything less than spectacular. So they'll, they'll wait, they'll, they'll take their time to get it right. Uh, I think that my, my, my vague prediction on Halo Infinite, as I've said before, is we're going to be waiting a while longer. It's not going to be soon, but I think, it'll, I, but I think for that reason um, and the other reasons I just talked about, it, it'll, it'll be worth the wait. What's a little bit sad, Mike, and I know that you um, uh, had a touch point on this earlier this week as well, is that we're already starting to say that you alluded to it to see examples of like how Halo was supposed to come out this window, right? Because I, I got a very nice care package you did too from the good people at Butterfinger and they sent us a bunch of like halo merch that was all tied into halo infinite and what we're seeing now is a perfect example of like when a massive massive game like this gets delayed call of duty halo it's not just launching a game it's launching like 50 other like branded products like the you know the breakfast cereal the axe body spray uh you know the nerf gun you know 50 other different things the, the apparel range they they work with all these different brand uh partners and vendors, you know, to, to launch all of that, you know, so it's like, you know, all the toys and everything comes out around the same time when it seems like even though Microsoft kind of pulled the plug at the last minute to delay Halo, a lot of the, a lot of the ancillary stuff was all, it was too late to pull it. So we're at, it, it, we're in this weird situation now where we're seeing all this kind of uh, extra, all this other Halo Infinite branding, like Nerf guy, I got a Nerf gun in the mail. I know you got like a Lego set kind of thing. All of that extra stuff is now coming into the channel in support of a game that is now, 
you know, like maybe still a year away. So that's that's a it, it's it's a weird example of what happens when you try to put the brakes on something that is that big an undertaking, where it's bigger than just a game, but like a massive enterprise with all kinds of SKUs, you know, across all kinds of product lines. It's just it's a bit sad because like I don't want the Nerf gun, I want the actual fucking game. Uh, but we, we we're just gonna have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, it's wild, Gary, because I still have the monster cans downstairs in the fridge using the codes <laughs> for the XP and the skins and stuff. And then I think of the GameSpot or the GameStop deal like you talked about, right, with the exclusive skin. If you go down and buy Halo Infinite merch, you'll get the skin from GameStop. And man, oh, man, what a huge one to see and to live through, right? This is one of those for me really being into it and paying attention to look around and go, man, like. Look at all of this that was in motion and we could not stop this train no matter what because everybody was prepared. Everybody thought this was going to happen. And I, I got too many monster energy cans here to not be able to ship these off, right? I can't have them sit in the warehouse forever. They got to go. And pretty wild to think about the the whole picture of what we've seen with this Halo Infinite. Yeah, and it really, it really does tie into the game. Like in the Nerf gun, the Halo Infinite Nerf gun that I got, which is a recreation of, you know, the, you know, the, the basic kind of, you know, the classic Master Chief rifle um it's 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 a it's a cute toy my kid's been having a lot of fun chasing me around the house and shooting me in the butt with these little foam rubber darts um but like it comes with this code it is in-game redeemable code i think what it is it's a code that will give you like a reskinned version of the weapon that looks like the nerf gun so that's kind of cute and i've redeemed it but it but when i redeemed it, it was just like thank you redeemed we'll notify you when this item becomes available which basically will be when halo infinite launches so i this code just basically kind of went into like a black hole um until the game comes out i'll be like you know maybe i'll forget about it. it'd be a nice thing when the game comes out oh that's right yeah i had this nerf gun code that i forgot all about but yeah it's 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 this it's this, just this unfortunate consequence of these games being these massive massive you know cross-platform uh media enterprises you talked about the monster energy drink the butterfinger bars the nerf guns the axe body spray the doritos there's so many things out there now in support of a product that isn't there to be supported and it's and it's you know it just it just goes to show how heartbreaking it was at at microsoft and for everyone else to to have to you know pull the central pillar of this massive marketing effort they built which is now again in service of of nothing in particular because there's no game and there probably won't be for I, again i think a better part of a year some wild stuff let's talk about another one that we've talked about before and it's still ever evolving Nothing is set in stone. We can talk till the cows come home about will it be exclusive? Won't it be exclusive? Will there be tears to this Bethesda deal? And so we have another one coming in from our CFO, Tim Stewart here. And so let's talk about another layer to this Bethesda deal and acquisition right here. This coming from IGN.com by Matt Kim. Microsoft continues to field questions about the future of Bethesda and Bethesda games on other platforms after its blockbuster acquisition of ZeniMax Xbox CTFO Tim Stewart spoke at Jeffrey's Interactive Entertainment Virtual Conference last week as transcribed by Seeking Alpha and gave more details about the company's plans for Bethesda and ZeniMax games and cross-platform. Stewart was clear that his statements aren't meant to announce pulling content from other platforms, but says that audiences will see Xbox, quote, continue to see a shift towards a first or better or best approach on our platforms, end quote. He also mentioned how this strategy will help Xbox's prized Game Pass program going forward. Quote, if you look at something like Game Pass, it shows up best in Game Pass. That's what we want to see, and we want to drive our Game Pass subscriber base through that Bethesda pipeline, end quote. Uh, going alongside another one, quote, 
What we'll do in the long run is we don't have intentions of just pulling all Bethesda content out of Sony or Nintendo or otherwise, Stewart says. But what we want is we want that content in the long run to either be first or better or best or pick your differentiated experience on our platforms. We want we will want Bethesda content to show up for the best as possible on our platforms. End quote. Luke, we have talked about it. The community has talked about it. Xbox gamers have talked about it. This was a big win in many Xbox gamers' eyes as you brought it up, right? We look over at the competition, which is Sony, and Microsoft really doesn't see that as competition, right? They see a bigger picture here and what they've been doing with this ecosystem. But of course, as gamers, right, we look at that and go, man, Xbox hasn't had the games. We want the games. They just grabbed one of the biggest groups here with ZeniMax Media and Bethesda Games that we all know and love. And I think the first reaction was, it's got to go exclusive. We got to have this no matter what. Let's punish other people for not having the Xbox ecosystem. And then we've heard other ideas of maybe it's tiered. The bigger games will be exclusive. The smaller titles in that mix will be cross-platform. Here's another layer here that maybe we haven't really talked about or something fun to discuss here as we're all just you know kind of waiting for this deal to finally go through in the next year. What do you think about play better, play first, and, you know, have a better experience with this Xbox platform. There's a lot to unpack in that. I think when you look at the, we have precedent on multiple angles here. Microsoft purchasing uh, Minecraft and distributing that to multiple platforms, including more games that are like Minecraft Dungeons that are not Minecraft proper and yet still supporting things over there. Uh, as far as the, you know, good, better, best idea of that tier system, I can see a world where that exists right now. Game Pass Ultimate members have access to something called perks and they, they roll out, you know, different like bonus cosmetics. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, the New Day uh, Austin Creed DLC for Gears 5 is, a, is something you can get for $20. Or if you're a member of Game Pass Ultimate, you just get that in Gears 5 for free. They might do something like that with some of their platforms where Game Pass members get cosmetic dlc or or relevant dlc for no cost whereas you're paying for it on another platform and lest we forget there are more other platforms on the way uh in, in by way of luna the stadia that exists there sony is considering countering game pass on their own levels we don't know what that looks like there's a lot of benefit to keeping things exclusive within the Xbox ecosystem. There's a reason they're going out and buying studios, not just ZeniMax. They want content. They want it regular. They want uh, Game Pass to be their platform going forward. The counter to that is, I mean, of course, it's, a, it's an expensive investment, and you want to recoup that value and see it happen in multiple places. Uh, I would imagine that they do offer a, a, a tiered-like system where you can see certain games, maybe like Fallout 76, because it's an MMO-esque type game and you put it out in multiple spots, you see that there. But the exclusive, the next Doom game perhaps be exclusive there. They want that first party slate to be impressive. Uh, and I think they'll utilize that perk aspect where $20 DLC paid or you're just part of Game Pass and you get it there. I think that is the, the likely route that we see. But um, the reality is the deal's not essentially, it's not finalized. We don't know where that's going to happen. There's probably ink to be dried on, on different contracts. And uh, money talks. Money talks a, a lot. And so depending on who's willing to pay what and how much and when, we could see their games everywhere or nowhere. Yeah, it's really exciting, Luke. And you brought up a good point of like the DLC and the perks, right? That's one for me where being a Game Pass subscriber, being in the Xbox ecosystem, when I look at this deal and we aren't going to go exclusive, let's just say we don't, 
I do want some sort of benefit for being a part of this Xbox ecosystem, right? I want that DLC to either be included with my subscription, maybe a discount or first come first, uh, first, first come with six months exclusivity. And that's where I'll kick it to you, Gary. When we look at timed exclusivity, is this something in such a big deal here that would really benefit you in this Xbox ecosystem if they were to say, hey, Starfield or the next big Elder Scrolls game, that is a year exclusivity deal with Xbox and then it will go to multiple platforms. What do you think about that kind of idea with timed exclusivity? I think it's very, very hard to make a, a general argument across the board that, that, that the idea of kind of timed exclusivity or any kind of format exclusivity is in any way gamer friendly. It's not. It is by it's it's when you say exclusive, you it, it's it's exclusionary. It's by definition gamers are being excluded if you're not on the right platform. But I've said before, look, we live in a capitalist world and business gonna business. You know, we're, this this is a competitive uh, you know, for for all for all the kumbaya you know uh, noises that. Uh, Xbox and PlayStation and, and Nintendo to a lesser extent might make, oh, it's all one big thing and gamers are lovely and we're all a big family. Dog eat dog out there, Mike. You know, they're tearing each other's throats out here for every for every nickel and buying Bethesda is is a big move like that. We see it all the time. Um, you know, in a in a in a in a universe where people just care about getting games into the hands of gamers. Fall Guys, for example, is a game that would have launched on multiple platforms. It would have launched on Xbox and Switch as well. Didn't happen because Sony paid uh Mediatonic a lot of money. To have to have that game be exclusive to uh, the PlayStation platform, and we don't know how long that timed exclusive window is. I'm sure you know there's a lot of Xbox gamers, a lot of Nintendo Switch gamers, uh, and a lot of people at you know Mediatonic that would love and Devolver that would love to get that game into the hands of other people. But right now, that's not happening because Sony purchased you know an exclusive window, and that was a, a good feather in in the cap for Sony because Fall Guys was a big hit game this year. We see it right now with Call of Duty Black Ops, and they did it again last year. There are specific game modes inside Black Ops Cold War that are only available on PlayStation. They call it a timed exclusive, but it's a timed exclusive for a year in a, in a, in a, in a game franchise, which is basically on a yearly cycle. By the time that game mode unlocks on the Xbox uh, or anywhere else, we're all going to be talking about whatever the next Call of Duty game is, right? So it's effectively you know a, a a timed exclusive for the for the effective likes life cycle of that game call of duty games basically last a year and then they get usurped uh by the next one um and we say we see it with you know uh, not that it matters right now because you know it's, it, it's a game that's really struggling but you know the playstation exclusive for spider-man in uh, marvel's uh avengers uh we see it more and more and more and and uh i i don't know exactly this is stuff that's mostly, I think, happened a lot on the Sony's. I just talked about three examples that are all Sony uh, PlayStation specific. I don't think Microsoft's ever really been quite so aggressive in that regard, but they're getting aggressive now, you know, buying a big third-party developer. And now nobody's, you know, the messaging's been kind of vague, right? I don't know if Microsoft even know for sure yet if they've like finalized their strategy. Well, you know, is Fallout 5 going to be an Xbox exclusive or are we going to put it on all platforms but still find some way to make it make the argument and that's where, where i agree with luke is like i think what they'll probably do is continue to publish on all platforms but but t but put their thumb on the scale in such a way that it's clearly xbox is going to be the way to play in terms of like maybe there'll be exclusive dlc or maybe the whole thing will launch on xbox first uh or maybe there'll just be additional features and you know functionality and things like that that if you want the full exclusive um uh, version of this you're gonna have to play it you know on the xbox platform or, or again maybe they will go all out exclusive it's it's really uh too early to say that that's a picture that i think will come into you know clearer focus 
as we get closer to the announcement and the launch of like the next generation of Bethesda games under you know the new auspices of Xbox. We we just don't know. But I, I I will say this: one thing that I think is fairly certain is that when Fallout Five or the next big Elder Scrolls game or the next big Wolfenstein uh, game, whatever it is that comes from from Bethesda comes out, the Xbox version is not going to be like just another version. There will there, there there will be something something to differentiate it and make it special, so that even the even like Fallout fans or you know, Elder Scrolls fans on PlayStation will be kind of gazing you know enviously across the across the garden fence. At what's happening on the xbox side going man if i want to play like the, i love fallout right and if i want to play the best possible version of fallout or play it first or play it with all the bells and whistles i kind of have to go on the xbox side now and i think that's that's the argument that that microsoft is going to make you know rather than kind of the brute force argument of well sorry fallout's just not on playstation anymore you just got you got to come over here i i think that they'll try and have cake trying to have their cake and eat it a little bit they'll they'll still publish on the other platforms but they'll increasingly make the argument that if you really want to play it like for real for real you got to do it on xbox i have a question for you both if you don't mind luke ask why do you see a world uh, business wise and this this could just be gamer talk outside looking in type thing in a world where Microsoft is now gaining weight behind their punches and behind their their deals, I, I've often felt frustrated to see Sony purchasing up the, a lot of that exclusive stuff. I'm like, hey, w- what's happening for us over here? Uh, do you see them now that they have some of these franchises that are coveted and and much wanted by uh, gamers and other ecosystems, cutting deals and saying, hey, you know, maybe we make this content available for you. You may, you stop excluding. You know, you brought up Spider Man. You know, spider-man can't be exclusive in avengers over there is that is that too nickel dimey or, or too silly too petulant for for what we're actually talking about in these big business deals i i mean i i i would like to see microsoft get a bit more aggressive like i said it is a war it's a business war it's a console war i know you know i make love not console wars yeah, yeah i i get it i get it and we can all go around putting you know the daisies in the in the in the in the muzzle of the rifle as much as we want but like it's it's a war Right. And and in a war, you take no no prisoners. And I, I don't like the exclusionary tactics, but at least, at le- you know, if, you, if you're going to go into that war, don't go in with one hand tied behind your back. As you said, Sony splashes the cash all the time on Call of Duty, on Avengers, on Fall Guys. Those are just three examples, like recent examples from the last year where Sony is poning up a lot of cash to exclude Xbox and Nintendo Switch um, and other gamers from, you know, and, and to drive people towards the PlayStation platform. Microsoft's never really kind of got down in the dirt and got their hands dirty in the same way, but maybe 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 the the Bethesda acquisition is the beginning of that. Like you know, they they sh- they should give. Um, they did do it with Tomb Raider. Yeah. That's not a, like as huge, but the uh, Tomb Raider was exclusive. Yep. They did do it with Tomb Raider. Yep. So I, 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 but they're not. Any, I think we would all agree they're not anywhere near as aggressive with these kind of business moves as Sony are, and that I would I would like to see them get a bit more. Uh, uh, not, not, not. I'm not saying that I want to see like more exclusionary tactics, but like Sony's already set the table, right? And you, and you, you either play by their rules or you're going to get beat down. And you know, Xbox One was. I, 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 I don't think it's unfair to say. Certainly, my, my honest opinion that the Xbox One was a bit of a dud generation. Again, they put, they pulled it out in the latter years, but they lost so much ground with that, with that catastrophically ill-conceived launch with the Kinect and the, and the big push, you know, living room content and all the, the TV pass and all that stuff that people didn't really want. That cost them so much ground after they had an incredible generation with the Xbox 360 that Sony pulled away again a lot. And they have a lot of ground to make up now. So if anything, the argument is 
that if, if, if any one of the two major platform competitors between, again, I used to think of Nintendo as doing their own thing off to the side, um, between Xbox and Sony, Xbox would be the one that's making these aggressive deals. Yeah, they should be buying Bethesda. Yeah, they should be doing these other things. From a pure, like, you know, corporate perspective in terms of like, okay, I'm Phil Spencer. I'm the head of Xbox. Whoever I am, like, I... It's my job to make Xbox as competitive and successful as possible. Yeah, they, they should be adopting some of these aggressive tactics that Sony uh, are using in terms of making you know, content exclusive to their platform and just building up more. And Game Pass is already like a big argument, but they they really need to be, if they want to you know, really you know kind of get back to a point where Xbox and PlayStation are considered kind of in parody and not like, well, PlayStation's really the, the, the Xbox is out there doing great stuff as well, but like PlayStation really is king of the hill. That's, that's, that's kind of the narrative that came out of the PlayStation 4 Xbox One generation. If they ever want to reset that narrative, they need to get a lot more aggressive. Be really interesting to see, right? We're all just speculating here as we wait for the ink to dry, as you said, Luke, right? And this is going to be quite some time. We're going to continue to get these smaller insights, thoughts, or what people think in their mind is what should happen, but we will not see this happen until everything goes through and then it is fully in Microsoft's hands to make that choice, right? And it's easy for all of us to say, no, let's exclude this or that, or, you know, on the flip side, hey, we're all gamers and we all deserve to play games the very best way. And it doesn't matter where you play. I want you to play the games, but it is business, like Gary said. And there will be some decisions made here that are going to upset some people, but their goal is simple, to get you into this ecosystem, no matter how it is, and get you involved with that, whether it be Game Pass or actually buying a console and so forth. So it's going to be really exciting to see. And I think this is a big one for Xbox here. This is a big moment. We've had a great upswing towards the end of the Xbox One cycle into this new generation where Xbox and Microsoft, they're working really hard to get us, the players, to come over here and join them any way we can, whether it be on the consoles, the PC, or through Game Pass and cloud streaming. This is going to be a ton of fun, Luke. And I don't know the full answer, but I will say I'm fine with them playing nice. And also at the same time, I am fine with keeping this all exclusive because it is something special and I want them to leverage this power that they're going to have right now. Let's keep it moving right now with another one. We have a delay due to COVID-19. Crossfire X has been delayed to 2021. This tweet coming from the Crossfire X account says, after much deliberation and in consideration of the challenges faced by the Slimegate development team due to COVID-19, we have made the difficult decision to delay the release of Crossfire X to 2021. Moving our release will allow us to deliver the Crossfire experience on console our team set out to create. We have more to share in the future coming from the Crossfire X team right there. Now, this is a really interesting one. We talked about it after the beta with the multiplayer, and we know that they're making a big single-player push with Remedy Games. Of course, we saw with Control, Alan Wake, what do we think about this? Is this something that we're all let down on? Or has everybody really come around in the gaming space of, hey, COVID-19 is kicking everybody's butt this year. We understand that people's lives have changed. We understand that work conditions have definitely changed from working from home rather than in the studio. Crossfire X, Luke, does this hurt you at all? Or you say, you know what, Mike, 2020 is already going well game-wise towards the end here. I didn't need this. Man, if you'd asked me like three months ago that if what Smilegate's delay would have done, I'd have been like, oh, that's a big blow. We got a problem. And then uh, <laughs> now it's like I have too much to play. I want them, as I said to, about Halo, I, I say it again. I want them to take their time, make the game they want, not sacrifice themselves in that process. 
I'm very interested in Crossfire. I think the demo uh, or, or beta that they launched was very mixed reception. Some people really liked the arcadiness. Some people found a lot of flaws with it, and I can understand both those perspectives. But the idea that Remedy is making something there and it go alongside, will it launch together? I just have a lot of questions about Crossfire, uh, Crossfire X specifically, because Crossfire proper is a big deal overseas. And I'm curious if they can leverage its its name and its cachet that it has in other markets to to play out here. Uh, if it builds bridges to help them enter the Asian markets, uh, as it were, I believe it's big in Korea. Uh, I, I think I, I would need correction on that, perhaps. Uh, but it, it's a it's a title that carries a weight that I don't think we see right now here in the U.S., uh, but that has a lot of potential as far as the delay. Take your time, delay it. We, I, my plate is so full of things that I am just so excited to get to, and on the horizon is more are, are Immortals and Cyberpunk and so many more. And I'm just like, oh, slow down, take a break. And at the, and at the same time, I want it here right now. So I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's coming into that first person shooter space, right? And you said it well. My apologies, Smilegate, right there, working on this multiplayer. I was unimpressed in that beta, right? I did not have a good time. I thought, you know, when I look around in the first-person shooter space, this did not click for me, especially when you're going up against Call of Duty here right now mm -hmm. that I just spoke so highly of. But that Remedy single player does get me really excited. We saw a little bit of a teaser for that. We saw that video intro, and I said to myself, dang, this could be a cool concept that I could get behind. So I am interested to see what Remedy's working on. If this team over on the multiplayer side could elevate this and really hit some of those things I didn't like, maybe the flow and the ebb of the game, then maybe I could really jump into it. But I actually would not be mad at the idea of, hey, if Remedy is ready to rock, let's put out this single player campaign and let's get people interested in it or vice versa. If Smilegate is ready to go and it seems like they were the ones to come out and say, hey, we're not ready with this multiplayer. If they were to fix that and come out first, I would be interested in it. But I think the big one that all gamers are looking at over here that in my group they're looking at that single player game they want to know what this campaign is all about yeah i'm the same that's a, a game that's not been like hugely on my radar because um uh I, i'm not a big multiplayer i mean again i like the occasional you know call of duty and, and things like that but like i'm not as competitive in those games as i used to be so the, a big kind of multiplayer shooter like that is not going to ping very high on my radar but if you say to me oh and the single player campaigns by remedy yeah now you've got my attention so that's definitely the part that i'm interested in in terms of the delay yeah like luke said like, try, like take all the time you want my backlog will thank you like we've got plenty of other it's not like there's a there's a lot of problems in the world today mike right the, the shortage of great games to play ain't one of them Right, we got plenty of games to play. It's an embarrassment of riches right now. Maybe, arguably, a, 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 more than any other time in our history, there's just so much amazing stuff out there. Um, like you could you could pause all game releases for the next year, and I would still have plenty of stuff to play. Just working through the backlog of of things that you know I still need uh, to get to, and particularly those people out there that are like you know sending death threats to the cyberpunk developers because they've got an extra one, uh, you know, another two weeks you seriously need to kind of re-examine you know the, the priorities in your life because it's going to be fine like you said the game's going to come out we're not going to have to wait that much longer it's all going to be fine it's video games don't worry about it too much but i so, want it now i want it now it's my money and i want it now 
Um, yeah, it's it's un, it's it's unfortunate, and there are always going to be those people in every every fandom. We 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 see that sliver of toxicity to varying extents in in every fandom, and yeah, they 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 don't want to wait, and they 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 become big babies again, especially now. And you touched on this, Mike, in the age of COVID, like so many developers have been sent home. It's really not surprising, and it's completely understandable. And I think they have the the um the full support of all like reasonable people who say yeah we get it like stay home protect yourself don't get covid don't you know drive yourself you know to divorce or drink or whatever because you you're desperate to hit an arbitrary uh, date you bring it out when it's ready get it right protect the 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 physical mental and emotional health of your employees um and we'll be here for you when the game's ready i don't know why why this, why this is it's embarrassing to me that they this even needs to be a debate Luke, what did you, uh, we're going to bring to the table there. Did you have anything more? No, nothing more to offer, offer really. I just, in general, I, I, I'm interested to see the economic model that they roll out when the game does come to fruition. Multiplayer, single player, one's remedy. Uh, there's a lot to, to follow from a strictly uh, story sense of it. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with it on, a, on an economical sense. How do they release it? What's the finances? What are the finances involved? How much does it cost? Where do you pay? That kind of thing. Yeah, it'll be curious. really fun. This is going to be a big one as well, especially with Remini behind it. And like you said, the multiplayer is big, right? And so this is a big deal coming over to Xbox. And so we'll see what the story unfolds as we continue on. To round out our show today, we have a really fun one coming from IO Interactive. Yeah, that's right. The team that creates Hitman, all the ones that we love. Guess what? They have now teased us with their newest project. I'm just going to read straight from IGN because they have some cool insights here by Joe Scrabbles. Hitman developer IO Interactive has announced Project 007, a new James Bond game. Announced in a teaser trailer today, IO describes the game as, quote, wholly original Bond game, end quote, in which players step into the shows of the world's favorite of the shows of the world's favorite secret agent to earn their 00 status in the very first Bond origin story. Act inactive development for consoles and PC project 007 will be created on IO's own glacier engine, which is used for the recent Hitman games. I'm a huge fan of the Hitman games and I'm really in love with James Bond movies. Of course, Gary Witter, you are my guy. You are all things, Hollywood movies, action and fun. When you hear IO interactive and what they've done now moving over to a James Bond property, does that get you excited? Uh, you know, the funny thing is, even though I'm a Brit and even though I'm like Mr. Hollywood, I'm not the biggest Bond fan. It's not so I, I don't dislike Bond. I, I'll, I'll see, a, you know, every Bond movie that comes out, but I'm not. No, I don't have to be there first day. I'm not like a Bond obsessive or anything. I do. I do like Bond and I like Daniel Craig. And I think the Bond movies are, um, are not as good as they've ever been. Like, you know, like the true golden age, like Spy Love Me and like, you know, I'm, I'm more of an old school guy. But the the, the Daniel Craig um, Bonds uh, are pretty good. And, I, and I'm really optimistic about this new one. The new one looks genuinely like it could be really great. The reason why I'm excited about this particular project and, and why I tweeted some excitement about it uh, the morning that it was announced earlier this week is, Hit, you know, Hitman, uh, it, it, you know, Bond is a great franchise. The Hitman games are a great game, but put them together. I challenge either of you to 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 tell me a, a, a time in recent history where there was a better fit between a developer and a franchise. The Hitman developers doing a 007 game? Come on, it, it's 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 peanut butter and jelly. Said it well. It's I'm, a match made in heaven. Luke, what you think? Well, I'm right with you. I talked at the top of the show about uh, enjoying Watch Dogs Legion so much because I'm trying to play Bond esque characters. 
and trying to play in that style, silence pistol and whatnot. And Hitman never moved the needle. Always incredible. Always loved it. The games are on Game Pass. You can go check them out. Super high quality games. Absurdly complex and impressive. But uh, Hitman as, a, as an IP just didn't click for me. But I'm a huge Bond fan. I've read some of the books. Uh, they're they're wonderful. I really dig specifically Daniel Craig's Bond. But, uh, you know, Roger Moore's Spy Who Loved Me is pretty great um, for sure. I, I, I cannot think of a better match for at all the idea that it's an origin story the idea that they can create their own world i'm hoping it's a bond verse that is not uh tied to the movies or the books, so it can be something a bit of their own they can cast some different characters that might uh be different from the traditional bond type character i'm so excited to see how they do this because in hitman you don't roll through call of duty style like there was a bond bloodstone i think it was called but that ran in the modern warfare engine on 360 and it was a blast but that wasn't how james bond might necessarily handle some of those scenarios i'm curious to see how they blend the world of bond what their bond verse looks like will they do what uh insomniac did with spider-man and create it their own uh, there, there's just so much to ask there but i'm i'm stoked for it and gary the i will fail your challenge because i think it is the perfect match io and bond put together love it yeah i mean there's 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 there, i can't remember the last time it felt like a, a better match I'll, I'll make a prediction as well i don't think this will be daniel craig because i think like, a i think he's done and b once you get into that it becomes a whole other issue in terms of licensing and image rights and it becomes like a whole other thing i think what you're going to see here is you know a new a new bond like a new bond character that we haven't seen before essentially in the same way that they you know when every, every four or five movies they recast bond with a new actor oh hey, hey now it's daniel craig i think you're going to see that happen on the video game side i think i think you're actually going to see like a well-known actor step into that role and like oh this is the next james bond just in the world of video games and video games now of course are so cinematic and in many ways so indistinguishable from movies in terms of the cinematic you know quality and and, and nature of their storytelling that i think you're going to see like a really cool actor like an idris elba or someone step into that role and say yeah this is this is this is the next james bond but kind of like on a parallel track to the to the movie bonds raul coley for bond let's go now okay barrett so you're saying that i'm in on it and here's i'm so excited by this idea because they have an opportunity to break the mold where the bond films have not done a great job in terms of bringing some of their aspects into the modern era uh having a, a person of color as bond having uh, some of the elements of the way he, he handles relationships and whatnot. I would love to see Raul Coley, Coley in, that, in that role or any other actor that, that breaks the standard mold of what we know Bond to be in a way that the movies might have been hesitant to do so. I, I love that idea. As long as Sorry, it's a Brit. Really as long as it's a Brit. It's always got to be a Brit, but I absolutely support the idea of an actor uh, of color, I think that's long, long overdue, and I think that the Holly, the Hollywood business is very risk averse. I personally, I may be wrong, but I think it will be a while yet before we see um, a non-white Bond on a movie screen. But uh, I think I, I, the the video game might be the per and I think they'll sell this in the media like the next James. They will sell, they will absolutely sell this as like this actor is the next James Bond. Uh, even though it's a video game, not a movie, they'll present it in such a way as like here's the new actor who's been cast in the James Bond role. And I think that will go along. You know, that's all part of like the the, the growing legitimacy of video games. You know, alongside movies and other you know kind of forms of popular entertainment, they will absolutely market this as like whoever, whoever the actor is is like here's the new here's the new James bond it just happens to be the new james bond as represented in a cinematic style video game rather than you know, a, a movie 
so exciting. This is an awesome announcement coming from IO Interactive. I love the Hitman games. I love hearing you two and Barrett gush about how much fun this is going to be because it will be great. And that team is continuing to produce, produce nothing but bangers. So I cannot wait to check that out. Let's round out the show right now. Quick heads up for all of our best friends out there. Lucas said it before, but guess what kind of funny best friends? The Commish! Xavier Woods and The New Day are now playable characters in Gears 5 multiplayer. That's right. Kofi Kingston, Big E, and Xavier Woods are in the multiplayer aspect of Gears 5. So go out there, start bouncing off some walls, lancer somebody in half with The New Day because you know it's going to be colorful, it's going to be fun, and it's going to be wild. I can't wait to jump into that one. And then last call for your November Games with Gold. Right now, you can download all of your November Games with Gold before they're gone, and we hit into a new month of December. This will round out our episode for today. We will not be back next week because we're going to Thanksgiving and having some fun. So make sure to send some virtual love and thanks to all of your friends, family members, and anybody that's doing something awesome in your life as we all celebrate a new and different Thanksgiving next week. Luke, you have been absolutely incredible. I told you at the beginning of the show, I am such a huge fan of you and the Xbox Expansion Pass. I love listening in. I love hearing your insights. I think you're so intelligent. You're so smart. And you absolutely love Xbox and video games. And that's what I'm all about. So one last time, Luke, tell them where they can find you. Tell them all about the Xbox Expansion Pass. Thank you. It's an honor to, to join you gentlemen today. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost. And of course, on uh, PSN and Xbox Live as well at Insipid Ghost. And the Xbox Expansion Pass can be found on any and all of your podcast services. And uh, as a content creator, it means the world when you guys just take the time to check it out. And uh, if you enjoyed me here and, and you like the show, please subscribe uh, and continue to enjoy it and support it. Uh, I want to keep finding the right people in the gaming industry to, to, to tell their story and how they impact it. And so... Uh, it means the world that you guys had me on, and I hope that the best friends enjoyed my presence here, and I hope you guys uh, check out XCP. And I'd love to join you again at some point in the future, for sure. Thanks so much, Luke. Gary Witta, what the heck is going on? You got a big holiday week. What's going on content-wise? Where can the best friends hang out, find you, and just you know, watch all your cool stuff. Yeah, I'm already completely checked out for Thanksgiving. My kids got all, all next week off. I'm probably going to take most of the week off. Already ordered my Cajun deep fried turkey from KFC, picking that up Thanksgiving Ooh, day. Yes, I've, ne I've, I've never tried it, but I've, I've always wanted to. Um, you're going to have a fun turkey. time. Have you had it, Barrett? Oh, yeah. Is it good? Oh. Am I going to be Am I going to be happy with it? It's it, much like the rest of the selection from there. It's it's trashy, but you're gonna have a fun time. That's what I want. That's yeah. what I, that's me. I'm trashy from all that's day long. That's Gary Witter right there. I love it all day long. It's one of my core brand values. Um, quick plug for my own. So you asked me where people can find me. Uh, Twitter.com/slash Gary Witter. Twitch uh, uh, Twitch.tv/slash um, Gary Witter. And also on my YouTube channel, which is also YouTube.com/slash uh, Gary Witter. Easy to find me. I do want to give a quick. I do give a quick shout out. To my friends at Microsoft who sent me, and here it is right here in the box, an Xbox Series S. I've had this theory for a while now, you and I have talked about it, Mike, that the Xbox Series S, especially in this in these year, in this particular year right now, where we've seen massive, massive uptake. Everyone's out there buying webcams and microphones and getting into the streaming game. We've seen an explosion of, of, of people streaming video games on Twitch. I, I've lost count of like people that even just people that I personally know who have caught the Twitch bug and have started uh, uh, yeah, game streaming. I feel like this. I didn't. This is this is not something that Microsoft has like pushed in its marketing, but I feel like maybe it should. For me, the S is for streaming, 
right? Because if you think about it, like in, in terms of most people don't have 4K, but many people may have 4K TVs, but a lot of people don't have 4K gaming monitors. I have a pretty high-end rig here, but what I'm what I'm talking to you through right now is a 27-inch 1440p monitor. The Series S is optimized for 1440p content, and Twitch only streams out at 1080 anyway until 4K streaming becomes a reality. I kind of feel like if you're looking to get into Twitch streaming or if you're looking to stream Xbox games on Twitch or on any streaming platform, the Series S is going to be all you need because a Series X with its 4K output and everything else is going to be overkill. Yeah, you're going to get higher frame rates, but you, again, you're paying a lot more money for that. I, I What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to unbox this. So by the time this goes out tomorrow morning, uh, sorry, Saturday morning, um, hopefully you'll be able to go over to my YouTube channel and see me unbox the Series S because I'm planning to do it shortly after the stream here. And then I'm going to set it up and I'm going to put it on a probationary period and having it be the X, the Xbox that I do most of my game streaming from. I know you've already tried that out, Mike. I'm going to give it a try uh, in the week ahead. So when we reconvene the week after Thanksgiving, um, we can compare notes on our experience with the Series S, both as a, just a straight up Xbox, but also as um a streaming platform because i really have i really have this notion that the series s is like a is like a really really neat uh solution for people who are looking to stream xbox games because it's all you need i love that gary we'll save it for the next time we meet because i cannot wait to talk all about that of course i am your guy snowbike mike you can find me on all my social medias at snowbike mike and of course twitch.tv slash snowbike mike this will conclude this week's episode of the kind of funny x cast remember to like share subscribe Go check out Luke and all the awesome things he's doing. On behalf of Gary Witta, Barry Courtney, and the whole Kind of Funny team, thank you so much for watching another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast. Please enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday break. Make sure to stay safe, stay healthy, have fun, and play a ton of video games. We'll see you guys for the next episode. Goodbye, everyone.